Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben and Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Oh, it's unofficial depth chart season. They don't mean anything, but they still have to make them. And for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we have two QB1s. That kind of turns the idea of QB1 on its head, but it is Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. And this isn't some... (laughs) They haven't discovered plutonium here. This happens. Like... Anybody in the media, I'm not going to name names here, and I'm not trying to be a jerk, but this gets back to our conversation from earlier. Anybody in the media that would act like they've never seen a depth chart before with with or, they really aren't looking at many depth charts because this isn't uncommon to have or on a depth chart. Um, It's the only quarterback competition this year with or, but it happens all the time. So it's still Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask to be the top quarterback. And, you know, we've talked about this from time to time. There was a point where Dave Canales, the new offensive coordinator, was saying there are political realities to this. We have Trask that we we used a fairly high draft pick to get. And then we've got Mayfield that we signed in free agency. And both guys need to have a chance. But, you know, Chris, we're a couple of weeks in and I don't get the impression either guy's separating himself. And, you know, the other side of this, the thing I don't like about quarterback competitions, the longer they last, the less time that the winner has yeah. to get himself ready for the games that count. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you'd, you'd like something to start getting that way in the next two to three weeks for sure. I mean, three weeks at the most, you know, hopefully two weeks. Hopefully you can go into that last preseason game and kind of go, eh, we know who our starter. And then to your point, yeah, the or thing, I mean, that, that's very common. It was on the 49ers depth chart yesterday. It was Trey Lance or Sam Darnold as the number two quarterback, right? So that goes on everywhere. This is not a shock, but, you know, the sense that you get reading through the media and the thing I think I told you just from talking to a bunch of people that are, you know, around Tampa Bay, a part of the organization that Kyle Trask has really come, come on strong here as of late in training camp. I got the feel that at the start, it was a Baker Mayfield and, you know, at the end of OTAs, he left, left the best lasting impression, but here comes Trask now, you know, feeling comfortable and letting it go. And it does feel like it's totally up in the air. And I think then the political realities do get into it, right? You're going to have people in that organization, in that front office, they're going to go, wait, let's, let's go with Kyle Trask. We don't know what he is, what he can be. He's got potential. It's untapped. Maybe we just let him ride this. And you're going to have ones, too, that are also the, the ones that are saying that. They're going to go, we know what Baker Mayfield is. We can bring him off the bench and do that, do it that way, Right. You know, and then there could be a part of uh, – uh, there's, of course, guys going to be on the other side of that spectrum. 
to go, no, Baker Mayfield was the number one pick, and we brought him in here. Let him do it. And then if he fails, we can bring in Kyle Trask, right? I mean, so that's, that's I'm sure, what they're dealing with a little bit in that organization. But at the end of the day, like you say, like I say, the field play, what we see this weekend, next weekend, that's going to determine who the starter is here. But it is odd that it really does feel like it's a dead heat, a flip of the coin right now, and usually it's not that way this far into training camp. It would have been inconceivable a couple of years ago, the idea of not starting Baker Mayfield and not having him be a complete and total pain in the ass to everyone, to anyone, to just being disagreeable and making it harder. He is so mature now, and I don't know if mature is the right way. I think the way that he was, he had some sort of an epiphany. It's humble. You know, it's kind of being a jerk. And he's so far in the other direction now, it's almost like he welcomes the chance to prove his maturity. And I don't think he would have a problem with not being the starter. Look at the contract he took. It's like $4.5 It's embarrassingly low for a guy of his, of his pedigree, frankly. So uh, the reason that it's a question is Kyle Trask, as you said, is playing better. Here's Trask from yesterday talking about the importance of his habit of protecting the football. Are you taking enough chances? Are you, are you using camp enough to see what you can and can't do with some of the, the riskier throws? Um, I've definitely been seeing what I can and can't do for the past two years. Um, so I think I have a, a, you know, a much better idea now. So um, you know, I know what situations you, know, you have to take more risks in. Um, and I think if we can just play clean as an offense, uh, that's going to give us the best chance to win in the end. Um, and, you know, I'm just trying to you know, do the best that I can do, um, which includes protecting the football. So. so much for no risk it, no biscuit, right? That's yeah. the philosophical shift in this, this Todd Bowles, Dave Canales team. Yeah. Bruce Arians, long gone. I don't even think he's involved at all this year. Last year he was assistant to the traveling secretary or something like that. This year I think he's just gone. So, um, I, and, and it's a very different philosophical mindset. And what's Baker Mayfield? What's he historically been? He's been the guy who takes the chances. Kyle Trask is learning. I just operate the offense. I keep it simple. Don't get reckless with the football. And that may be the way to win the job. And so far, it seems to be working, just given the fact that Baker Mayfield hasn't already won it. The fact that it's still neck and neck tells me, Trask has a pretty damn good chance to win the job, Chris. I, I, I would agree. I would. And we saw this shift from the Bucks last year, right? We know this. The, the, we know that, that Todd Bowles and the Bucks they wanted to run the ball and be more conservative last year and maybe play through the defense a little bit. They got forced into a, a corner where they couldn't run the ball and they had to throw the ball with Brady and, and do more of that than I think they would have liked. But I think in Todd Bowles' heart of hearts, yeah, he wants a balanced offense. And he doesn't want the offense taking chances or doing anything like that. I think he probably feels like, hey, we got a defense. The defense is the strength of their team right now. Uh, I think when you really look at it, you know, the offensive line, we got questions there. Uh, wide receivers, Mike Evans, you know, how good still is he? I think he, you know, he's still real good, but lost his step last year. It wasn't necessarily as explosive and as dangerous as we've seen in years past. You know, so that there's 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 some things there that I'm sure they want smart decisions, take care of the football, defensive coach. That's usually what they preach there. Um, Baker Mayfield, he's had moments of being reckless with the football. I don't know if he's doing that in training camp. I haven't heard that. You know, but but yeah, uh, that's where you know it's going to be interesting too. Can do they do they feel like they trust both of these quarterbacks? That's going to be a part of this. Um, but, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're going to get a good feel, at least from this first live action to see where it goes from there. Like we said, and, uh, I'm with you. I thought this was one where we were going to be like at this point and go, yeah, it's still a competition, but you know, reading the tea leaves here, you got to feel that Baker Mayfield's leading it. And I don't feel that way at all right now. It's, it's totally right down the middle. In order to maintain my status as a top five conspiracy theorist, and frankly, if you're top five, it means you are number five and you're barely hanging on. Right. Is it possible the Buccaneers signed Baker Mayfield knowing that Trask is the guy, 
They're getting a cheap backup. They make Baker Mayfield think he's going to compete for the starting job, but at the end of the day, the goal is to just push Trask to get more out of him and get him ready to go. I, 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 don't, I don't doubt that, right? And then also have a guy where you go, yeah, if he's not ready to go, we got a guy that can come in and help us out, and he's played some football and done that. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that thought. You know, again, he is their guy. They drafted him. There's obviously some belief in him within the organization that you know he could do this. The fact that here he is, the first year Tom Brady's out of there, they thrusted him into this position. I think says a lot in general. You know, but but yeah, the state of the team, you know, how they look in the preseason. I think a lot of that stuff could be, you know, part of who they pick at quarterback, right, Mike? I mean, I've had coaches who've coached in the NFL, right, where. They've talked to me about certain quarterback competitions they've had, and they've even told me about times where they picked the guy who probably wasn't as good, but only because they felt like the team wasn't quite ready yet. And they didn't want to put the guy in that was maybe younger but more talented in until they felt like, hey, the offensive line's blocking the right way. The receivers have you know, got things down in the offense. And that's where, you know, who knows what, what could be at play there, too. And I don't know, Mike, what would you err on? Would you err on throwing Kyle Trask in and going, eh, we'll just figure it out? Or would you err on, hey, let's throw Baker Mayfield out there because we're not sure about our offensive line and Tristan Wirfs a left tackle and our right tackle situation and our guard situation and all that. And let's wait till we get a little bit more, you know, on the same page. And then we throw Kyle Trask out there. You know, there's those thoughts, too, that go into this whole situation, in this whole, you know, type of competition. Oh, it reminds me of 2008 when the Ravens were determined not to start Joe Flacco at all that year. And then Troy Smith comes down with a case of tonsillitis and it gives Flacco a chance to prove to the Ravens that he was capable of protecting himself. And once they knew that their first round pick was not going to get destroyed in his rookie year frankly that's when they decided to go with him from week one but I think in this division yeah every team every team you could look at them and make an argument for and against them winning the division yes wide open yeah Panther Saints Bucks and Falcons you can make and the Bucks have all these guys still there from the Super Bowl team and even though Tristan Wirfs has struggled with the flips from right side to left side he's still pretty damn good he is and and I I think that you just got to go with the best guy you got to go with the one that the locker room knows is the best guy because you got too many veterans on that team that that are not going to be willing to tolerate Kyle Trask if he's not the best guy because we want to win and if Mayfield is not the best guy we want Trask because we want to win so you know that's how these decisions often get made. The locker room knows who it is and the coach just properly has the pulse of the players and who the players want to play with and who the players believe will give them the best chance to win. Yeah. I don't disagree with you there. And that, that will be a part of it. The, the, the belief in the locker room, you know, the, 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 the pizzazz a quarterback gives an offense or whatever. That's, that's real. That's tangible. You know, I, I, you know, that's been a real thing throughout my career. And yeah, the guy who can have effect on that offensive unit to when he gets in the huddle, the eyes open up and he can bring an energy out in their football team. Those are all things that a a quarterback needs to bring out. And and it's important to the, the lifeline of the football team in general. Baker Mayfield has some of that pizzazz, you know, yes. Uh, does Kyle Trask? I mean, he's obviously got something that, that that this organization believes in, and that they think he can lead people and lead grown men, you know, to the promised land there. So we'll see if he can show us all that here in, in preseason week one and two. And at the end of the day, most offenses go only as far as the offensive line will take them. The reality is when the offensive line is playing well, we don't notice them because we notice the guys who are doing great things with the football. We're going to talk about offensive lines and which ones are most critical to the success or failure of their teams in 2023. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. I mean, Tyler, just keep, just keep playing. I mean, I, I think that the opportunity to train the two positions, I mean, he's he's knocked that out of the park. Uh, you know, to line up and play left tackle your whole rookie year and then, you know, spend you know, probably 50-50 of the time at guard and tackle and now exclusively at guard. Um, he's just, you know, mastering the position and, you know, start to grow in the area of leadership and all those things. Uh, but I really like the path he's on, uh, you know, because he does some incredible things, you know, freakishly. Uh, you know, he had, he had a block in the 
there was a nine on seven yesterday. You just you just don't see every day. So uh, he has that kind of he has that kind of ability. Cowboys coach Mike McCarthy on Tyler Smith working his way into the the prime, the front end of the prime of his NFL career. They've got Zach Martin still holding out. Jerry Jones with some tough talk recently. Man, I don't really know how tough. that resolves itself. But where do you yeah, think but, that's going? Know, this Cowboys offense. Look, I remember when Zach Martin first made noise about holding out. I think we talked about it on the show. Yeah, we did. Maybe we did. Maybe yeah, we, we didn't. Did. And, and I said, yeah. when has this guy ever said anything? Right. So if he's talking about holding out, guess what? He's holding out. Yeah. He he never says boo. So you, you get this vibe from Jerry Jones that like, hey, he's not going to play forever. Some of the stuff that Jim Irsay said, hey, you know, we're all going to be dead someday and the NFL is going to move on. So what the hell is kind of the attitude. Uh, I, they, they, they just don't, they don't want to give him any more money. They've got their budget set. They got to pay Micah Parsons and they know the sun is starting to set. If he isn't setting already on Zach Martin, he's the guy they took instead of Johnny Manziel. He's the guy that, you know, they basically had to, to, uh, uh, get Jerry away from the phone as the pick was on the clock back in 2014 to take Zach Martin instead of Manziel. And, uh, yeah, Martin's getting closer to the end than the beginning. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I had somebody raise with me the question of why didn't he just retire? If you retire, you avoid the daily fines, but you also put yourself in a position where you got to pay back bonus money. So it may be six of one, half a dozen of the other, uh, but retire may be what he does. He, if somebody's got to find a way out of this box. Somebody's got to you know, save face and move on, and I don't know where that compromise is right now, Chris. No, I, I don't either. Um, I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see how this plays out. You know, I am. Like you said, there's some things on their radar where they know they're going to have to pay some people. Micah Parsons, Dak Prescott can come available here again and have them to deal with that. You know, Zach Martin, yes, year 10, right? I mean – you know, it, it's still really good. Is it best guard in football anymore? No. You know, there, there's some certainly some guys there that I would probably put ahead of him. Uh, what, what's the right touch here? And I would say that, you know, this is a Dallas O-line that I do think has enough around and enough guys there to where they could, they could make it happen. They could make this, this group still be good without Zach Martin. It's not like I look at it and go, man, if they don't have Zach Martin, they're going to fall off the planet here on the offensive line department. No, I think they have enough bodies here. They won't be as good, but they'll still be damn good. Uh, this is one where I kind of believe ownership here. You know, I know there's some tough talk at times, but this is one where I, I have a feeling Jerry Jones and them are not going to bend much on this subject. And I still go back to the point we talked about. Yeah, he's a little underpaid, but why the hell didn't we bring this back up and make this a point in March? Why are we doing it now? I don't understand that from Zach Martin. When he signed a new deal. Yes. A new deal that restructured his contract. It wasn't an automatic thing that the Cowboys just flipped a switch and did it. There's a signed document that I've seen from March where he takes his salary, he converts the vast majority of it into a signing bonus, and everybody moves on. That's the time to say, hey, you know what? I'm not real happy with what I'm getting paid. And his leverage at that point was, I just won't do this deal. I just won't do this restructuring. And maybe they were afraid that that if he said that, they would have just cut him then. I don't know. I don't know why you don't draw the line in the sand in March when you're going to plan to draw the line in the sand when it's time to open training camp, but uh, the, the Cowboys aren't flinching. And, you know, here's the reality with this Cowboys offensive line, and we've seen this with great offensive lines of the past. Yeah. They become great, and then we just assume they're going to continue to be great indefinitely. Right. But then the offense starts to struggle, and we're like, hmm, why is the offense struggling? Oh, wait, wait. That offensive line that we assumed was going to be great forever isn't as great as it used to be. Yeah. And I think that's one of the problems in Dallas. And this, oh, how, oh, Dak Prescott's throwing all these interceptions. And what about the running game? And what about this? What about that? Well, the offensive line isn't what it was when Dak Prescott became the unlikely week one starter in 2016, his rookie year. Yeah, that was a special group. I mean, they were like, could impose their will. You'd be like, man, there's 10 guys at the line of scrimmage, and they're still going to run the ball for five yards up the middle. And that was, you know, 
a, a group that, you know, like we used to have fun with the Colts on the Blue Wall and all that. They they were phenomenal. That Blue Wall crumbled pretty quickly well, in Indy. Th- that's the, I thought that Blue Wall was going to last a while. Well, see, what happens, too, with offensive line, and to piggyback off of what you're saying is, see, we, we look at a few of the star names like, like the Colts, and we go, wait, Quentin Nelson's there, right? Braden Smith's there. They should still be good. But then you want to – but but and that, that I, I fall in this trap too. The public, we all fall in the trap. But then I want to go, wait, but they lost Mark Glowinski, who was a great really run-blocking run right guard. They lost Eric Fisher, who was a really good run-blocking left tackle. They lost a tight end that was one of the better run-blocking tight ends in football. And so we hear Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith, and we go, well, they should still be the same. They're good. And it's like, no, they lost three other guys that were maybe not as good as those two, but damn good. And I think that happens on O-line sometimes where we just go, wait, that star's still there, so the rest of the group should be good. And it you know, doesn't always play out that way. I also think last year Quentin Nelson had contract negotiations that went right up until the start of the regular season. Yeah, that I affected think those him. distracted him. Yeah, I, I think that. it affected him. Because he said, he said in the, the comments that – came out to the media right after the contract was signed, I'm pissed off that this took as long as it did. Right. Because it was getting in the way of his preparation, his mindset. He's thinking about injuries. You shouldn't think about injuries, but you do think about injuries when you've yet to secure your your generational payday. So I think that was an issue as well. All right, let's do a draft, shall we? Offensive lines who could make or break a team's season in 2023, Chris, as always, you get the first pick. Well, we started out with watching here Mike McCarthy, and I'll go to his old team. I'm going to go to Green Bay right off the bat. What, what, how do you make Jordan Love and the transition from Aaron Rodgers better? Your O-line does what you just talked about for Dak Prescott when he was thrown into the starting lineup when Tony Romer had the back, the back injury. You make that O-line so damn good that, hey, every time we run the ball, it's successful. Run it for four, run it for eight, run it for seven. Whoa, play action pass. That guy's wide open. Hey, Jordan Love's really good, everybody. Look at Jordan Love, right? So that's where the O-line can certainly help this transition, let alone in pass protection and making Jordan Love feel real comfortable back there So, because we know he's not going to go through reads and things as quickly as Aaron Rodgers. Uh, that, that, that'll be my first pick, Mike. But, the, man, there's some good ones here in, the, in this draft. I like this draft. Well, hey, I would say it'd be easier to draft the teams where the offensive line won't make or exactly. break You're right. the season. You're right. Because they always make or break the season. I'm <laughs> going to go to Pittsburgh. We've talked about mm, good one. the great skill position players they have. You've got George Pickens, who is making highlight reel catches already in training camp. Kenny Pickett moving into year two. Quiet, sneaky, under-the-radar concussion issues with him. He had two last year. All the two-and-on folks will constantly say, why don't you talk about Kenny Pickett and his concussions? Why aren't you as concerned about him as you are about Tua? Well, I'm concerned about both of them. They both have to avoid taking the hits. They both have to avoid the concussions. A great offensive line will help minimize that possibility. They need to open holes for Najee Harris, who has been up and down and maybe disappointing all things considered when you consider he was a first-round running back a couple of years ago. That offensive line is what's going to determine whether or not this Steelers offense works in 2023. They've got the defense, and they've got the skill position players on offense. They need the offensive line to bring it all together and to contend in a very difficult AFC. Yeah, that's right. I, I hear you there. Whether it's you know holes for Harris, protecting Kenny Pickett, and the biggest thing you, you said there at the end, they got three other teams in their division that can bring it, you know, at that, you know, as far as D line blitzes, whatever. And, and yeah, that is a, that is the, the point with the Steelers, right? A, a, a rookie first round left tackle. They signed Isaac Siomolo, right? As a guard. Uh, they got some other guys there that are holdovers. How good can that group be there? I, th- that was definitely on my list here, which is like you said, I got quite a few teams on my list here. I don't know. All right. The next one I'm going to go do. Man, I'm going to go to the Dolphins. You know, I'm going to go to the Miami Dolphins for what you just said. I mean, one of the big things we are all looking at is can Tua make it through the season? Can they protect Tua the right way? The, the Dolphins have an unbelievable football team. But the only thing you question when you really look at them on paper is the offensive line. Now, McDaniel is very good at you know making teams pause with all the movement he has before the snap zoom 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 so you you know it's hard sometimes to pin your ears back and just go get the quarterback but still 
you know, there's they can be better in that area, especially on third downs when when you can't do trick people with all the motions and the fake reverses and all that. So Austin Jackson, he was a first round pick from a few years ago. Can he show up at right tackle? You know, the interior part of their O line, Liam Eichenberg, can he get better? Some other guys. That's going to be crucial. You know, to be able to run the ball. To, to help Tua and their play-action offense, which they want to do coming from Shanahan, Mike McDaniel, and then, of course, protecting Tua. But if that's less than, and then Tua gets hurt, then, hey, you don't know where the season goes for the Miami Dolphins, and we're relying on Mike White, and, and he hasn't necessarily been a, a bill of health either. No, I mean, Mike White had broken ribs last year. He has kind of a slight build. He's thin. Yeah. You know, they got a couple of quarterbacks that I worry about their durability because they don't have the natural suit of armor, although Tua Tonga-Vailoa has, has added some natural body armor over the course of the offseason. He tries to get himself ready for the, the, the wear and tear of playing quarterback in the NFL. Next one for me, I'll go with the Rams. And I don't really know what to make of the Rams this year, but I know this. If the offensive line is horrible, Matthew Stafford's going to get injured again, and it's going to be time for Stetson Bennett to see if he can get it done at the NFL level. Uh, I joked the other day, and, and it wasn't a joke that I came up with. Somebody else passed along. The only way the Rams are getting out of what they owe Matthew Stafford is if he just looks at that offensive line and says, screw this, I'm retiring. I'm getting <laughs> right. too old for this crap. I'm out of here. And, and that's the question. Can the line hold up? That was the problem last year. Yeah. The offensive line was a shell of what it had been the year before. The retirement of Andrew Whitworth really hurt the Rams. And that offensive line, and it all – it's got a cumulative effect. It's like a, a, a snowball rolling down the yeah, mountain. It just exactly. gradually gets larger and larger and larger. You get a quarterback who's getting, especially Stafford, who never says boo about any of his injuries. He's got this. He's got that. Nobody knows about it. He's got this. He's got that. It reaches a critical mass, and then he's just gone. Yeah. And, that, and they were gone. They were done. They'll be done this year if the offensive line doesn't play a lot better. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, they couldn't even take advantage of Matthew Stafford's greatest talent, which is his ability to throw the ball down the field last year. I mean, every every play was a fire drill. I mean, it really was. It was like, whoa, just duck. Whoa, hey, get it out of your hand. Throw it. Whoa, what a good job. Woo. Man, he got a six-yard completion. He's lucky he didn't get decapitated there. He got the six. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right about that. And they have no chance if they can't protect him. Uh, they need him to, to have some time to make some big plays down the field. Man, you know, I, I look, you know, the Jets, right, the Jaguars, they lost Jawan Taylor, Cam Robinson suspended. But I'm going to go with another one here. I'm going to go with the Broncos, the Denver Broncos. I look at that good, as good one, you know, good one. because, hey, Russell Wilson, and to piggyback off of what you just said with Matthew Stafford, I think out of the quarterbacks I had in my top 20 quarterback rankings, those two had the worst pass protection in football last year. Russell Wilson, yeah, he was not himself, and he missed some wide-open people to throw the ball but you know, he also was looking over his shoulder whether he had pressure or had time to throw the ball a lot too, and he was right to do that. They, they didn't protect well. So I look at that, the, re, the rebuilding of the great investment they have in Russell Wilson for that organization. Yeah, the protection's crucial to him, right? And then, yeah, the, the, the running the football to where you don't have to put it all on Russell Wilson. Can they get it going with Javante Williams and company and be physical and play that way? Uh, I look at that to be crucial for, for their success. And, of course, they're in the AFC West where, yeah, there's two really good pass rushers on the Raiders, and we know the Chiefs can get after the ball. And then there's another two great, great pass rushers on the Los Angeles Chargers. So that old line will be big time for, for Denver this year. And Mike McGlinchey, one of the free agency additions out two to three weeks, was a sprained knee he suffered in practice yesterday. So that Broncos offensive line may not be as ready for week one as had hoped, but that's the key. You're going to get more out of Russell Wilson if you can get him better blocking. The running game will benefit. It, it helps the offense across the board. I was thinking about the Jets, but I'm, I'm going to go with another team that is getting a ton of hype, the team that was the Hard Knocks squad last year, the Detroit Lions. I mean, everybody just assumes they're going to be dramatically better. They're going to win the division. I mean, there's no – and I know that Dan Campbell's doing great things, but there's no history with the Lions that would lead us to believe that they're going to be able to fulfill these high expectations that have fallen out of the sky. They're the 2023 version of the Bills last year. A lower target – but everybody expects the Bills to win the Super Bowl. It's like, guys, we haven't been there in 30 years. Why is this all, all this pressure on us? And the Lions haven't won a playoff game since 1991, for crying out loud. Why is everybody just assuming this is going to work? And here's how it won't work if it doesn't work. 
if the offensive line is not making it easy enough for the offense to operate, it's not like they can rely on their defense to win games, Chris. They don't have the defense to win games. Could be better this year. Who knows? Can't be much worse. They and the Vikings have the worst two defenses in the NFL last year. But if that offensive line doesn't let Jared Goff do his thing, it's all going to fall apart. Yeah. And they can't start 1-6 again and expect to turn it around. Yeah, I, I would agree with you there. Jared Goff is a quarterback that needs protection. He's not a scrambler, right? He doesn't run that much. That's not who he is. You know, to protect that defense a little bit where, yeah, I expect it to be better, but it was, like you said, it was last in football last year where you know a run game and their ability to do those things are going to be crucial too. Can we open up some holes? Can we can control the clock a little bit? Keep our defense off the field? Keep them fresh? You know, certainly going to be a big part of, of, uh, of their success. And, and yes, and of course, Jared Goff and everything there too. It takes pressure off of him if they can run the ball and do things the right way there. But uh, I'm with you. That's an old line where it's different than some of the other old lines. Like we know they're going to be good, but I think you're saying that you think they got to be somewhat dominant, and and that's where there may be different some of the other other groups who we talked about today so far. And what are all these other coaches going to be doing? They want to take a chunk out of the Lions. The Lions have become a measuring stick team. We want to go beat the Lions. We're sick of hearing about the Lions. What have the Lions ever done? Let's go kick the crap out of the Lions. Let's attack that offensive line. Let's confuse these guys. Let's shut down that offense. If we shut down that offense, we're going to beat the hell out of them because their defense can't keep up. So the offensive line needs to go next level to fend off. You know, last year they snuck up on people. Yeah. This year they're not sneaking up no. on anybody. No. For the first time in years, the Lions are sneaking up on no one. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, and again, it's unofficial depth chart season, but we glean what we can from them. Why is one of the best offensive prospects in years buried at third string on his team's depth chart? We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. I mean, I know we uh, fish, uh, officially or unofficially released a depth chart today. Uh, the first one, while well, we're very much into uh, the competition, right in the meat of the competition phase of training camp, I would not... Uh, uh, over-evaluate any one particular area. What's your plan for Thursday night for the snap counts for each quarterback? Mm, yeah, I'm still working on that. But the players who are least experienced will get those playing time. I can tell you that. Yeah, I don't know. Preseason depth charts are like my nemesis. because I, I, I just make sure that they have every player on the team. I'm just like, oh, okay, there's a lot of names here. Oh, there's five, there's seven. Okay, we got them all. Sweet. And that's about the end of it. Oh, it's just part of the ritual every year. We get a couple of weeks into training camp. Week one of the preseason approaches. Teams are required by league rule to put together unofficial depth charts. They put them together, and then coaches, not all, but, but many, will downplay what the depth charts say, what they mean, whether they're relevant, whether they're not relevant. I remember Jim Harbaugh used to say, oh, that's just a PR guy puts that together. Regardless, it's sent out by the team. It's a tangible message to the world. The snapshot in time 
of where guys rank. And you know the guys in the locker room. They got nothing else to go on. They see that, and they hey, I'm first string. Definitely. Oh, I'm second string. I mean, of course it means something. And the harder they try to tell us it doesn't mean anything, the more I think it means plenty, Chris. But yeah, it, it does mean something. You know, is it written in stone at that point? You know, and, and yeah, the media head media guy, he goes into the coaching staff and goes, hey, who do you want me to put here at first and second and third? So they can say what they want. There's a little meaning there. Is it def- definite? No. Are there some things with rookies where, okay, yeah, there's some where you go, well, we know he's going to be the starter here at some point, but they're just not going to list it quite yet and do that, put the burden on them, the expectations, whatever. There's some thought that goes into that. You know, like I said, it's not it's not the the end all be all, but you can't just throw it away as meaningless either. There's there's somewhere in the middle where it where the truth hits. Let's do a little grab bag. We've got a few different categories, a few different topics. We'll start with the fact that the Falcons have listed top ten draft pick Bijan Robinson as third on the running back depth chart, which come on. I mean, really? Really? And Okay, fine. Yeah, you, not, we, not, we want to create the impression nothing's been handed to him, yada, yada. He's not going to be third string when week one rolls around. So who you got? Which running back will be used more in more ways this year? Bijan Robinson of the Falcons or Jameer Gibbs, the surprise 12th overall pick of the Detroit Lions? I mean, they're both phenomenal. They both have the same skill set. They're both going to be used in every capacity possible. Because they can run between the tackles. They can run outside. They both can run routes like a wide receiver and, and, and be effective out of the backfield. And I look at Jameer Gibbs here. I mean, what? What? I don't know. That looks like three rockets up your ass if I've ever seen it before. I don't know. That was quick as hell. You know, this is one where I want to say tie, right? I'll go with B. John Robinson, but, I mean, I I don't know if there's going to be much of a difference here. I think these two guys were drafted where they were drafted because they go, we're going to make them the focal point. And and to your point, too, Mike, just with B. John Robinson as number three. One, hey, they want to make it look like they earned it. Two, they don't want to throw them out there with the first group. Just in case the other first defense brings some crazy blitz or does something different, they don't want him to be in a position to fail where people can point at it and go, well, maybe he's not ready to start and do that. They're, this is part of the build-up process. Um, so I, I guess I'm picking Bijan Robinson, but I don't really feel comfortable. that I want to say tie in this one. I really think they are both going to be huge parts of their offense. I think Robinson, just because he was the first running back take and there was so much talk about it, the Falcons are desperate for a superstar desperate yeah. and Desmond Ritter you know he's gonna look a lot better statistically if he's just a little flip here a little flip there to Bijan Robinson let him go yeah I think the offense the you're right you're right the completion yeah I, I just feel like they're gonna you know Arthur Smith has probably spent a lot more yeah. time coming up with creative ways to use Bijan Robinson than Ben Johnson the coordinator in Detroit has come up with ways creatively to use Jameer Gibbs it's close but I think Robinson's going to be used more in more different ways I think you flush it out it is Robinson just because of what you said there they're they're a team we know wants to base the offense around the run game that's what it is you said it right it's Arthur Smith you know it's a young quarterback and I think that probably in itself gives Bijan the advantage there Um, but I mean listen like we were saying, there's a reason they surprised everybody at pick 12 and went with this guy because they went, he's a superstar too, and we're going to show him. But but I'm with you. I think you 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 cleared my own brain there. It, it's Bijan. All right, next topic, and this comes from Ryan Tannehill, the Titans quarterback, saying that they have seen vintage DeAndre Hopkins in training camp. So which doesn't belong and why? DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., or Michael Thomas, all veteran receivers hoping for a big hashtag comeback season. I'm going to go with Hopkins here because I feel like it's it's a necessity for him to be good and be a prime target and be a part of that offense for that offense to be good, right? I don't look at it with like Michael Thomas and the Saints and go, if he's not back to the Michael Thomas, they might not be good in that offense. I still go, damn, no, they got some other receivers that are the real deal. 
on the outside. And a good pass-catching tight end, I mean, Kamara's in there, he can do that. So they have other avenues. Even the Ravens, as much as I expect OBJ to be the guy, I look at it and go, hey, it, it still got Rashad Bateman when he's back, Zay Flowers. Of course, Mark Andrews has been the focal point of that offense. I look at Tennessee and go, well, who are we saying? Traylon Burks, who underwhelmed in year one? No, Hopkins needs to be the guy, like, definitively. That's why I'll go with him, Mike. I'm going with Michael Thomas just because it's been so long since he's done anything. Right, right. I have no idea what to expect, and it was all driven by injury. And I remember when it happened week one, garbage time, 2020, got rolled up on, and it's like, uh-oh, that looks serious. That looks That looks like it could be a problem, and we've hardly seen him since then and I feel like there's issues between him and the team there have been reports to that effect from time to time right and it's just it's too long it's too long at least Beckham we saw him in Super Bowl 56 I know he hasn't played since then but we know he'll still be Beckham if he's healthy or if he doesn't have an ACL in his knee we've seen him play without an ACL yeah. in his knee he's still pretty damn good and he so says Thomas, relevant I hope it media. turns around for right. him yeah right yeah. Thomas is just like he's just gone it's right. like he's still in the league and, and it's his opportunity to remind us all that he still is this season. All right, last one, and this comes from Vikings owner Mark Wilf. When asked if he wants the team to sign Kirk Cousins after 2023, saying he'll leave it to the GM and the head coach, fill in the blank. Mark Wilf's response about Kirk Cousins' future with the Vikings is what, Chris? Is a response in saying we like Kirk Cousins, but if somebody better fell on our face, we'll take him. Yeah, right. He loves him, he loves him not. Uh, you know, again, Kirk Cousins gets beat up too much. I agree with Jason Garrett that maybe you need to see a psychologist in the Kirk Cousins conversation, right? But, but apparently, some people in Minnesota do as well. Well, it it, it, it is, you know. But again, they're gonna they're gonna leave it to the play on the field, and he's gonna trust Kevin O'Connell and what he says there, and and how he evaluates the position, you know, one more season before they at least you know invest big money into to Kirk Cousins again. Here's here's the fundamental problem: Kirk Cousins is who he is. He is who he is. He's not going to wake up and be Tom Brady. He's not going to start working on Tuesdays. He is exactly who he is. He is not going to carry a team to a championship on his own. He's going to win a championship only if he is in a stacked team like the 49ers. He stays healthy. He checks the boxes. And the coach whips up the plays, as we know Kyle Shanahan can do, to make it all work. He's not going to carry you over the top. But here's the problem. If you let him go, you may sink to the bottom. He gets you to the point where you are treading water. You're not swimming as fast as the other kids, at least not the fastest. You're middle of the pack. Are you content to be middle of the pack? And do you want to risk sinking like a stone in the hopes of trying to catch up with the That's what the Vikings have been dealing with the past few years. They've been fearful of losing their status as just good enough in the hopes of great. And I think after this year, this is going to be the last piece of evidence for them to say, we're willing to be bad in our effort to be great. Well, maybe. That'll be, that'll be a tough decision. You know, you, you know I, I agree with you. And Kirk Cousins is, you know, again, you don't give up Kirk Cousins unless you have Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, you know, Caleb Williams, Aaron Rodgers, right? Somebody exactly like that, that, you know, you're going to get because Kirk Cousins is there next. As I say to a lot of people all the time with all the problems with the Vikings, Kirk Cousins is like the 37th thing down the list that you have to worry about. They have issues everywhere, but yes, for whatever reason, people want to make it like he's supposed to be some superstar that carries the football team. No, that's not what he is. But like you said, if he was on the 49ers in 2019, they, they're going to they're gonna win the Super Bowl, I think. If he's on the 49ers last year, they're in the Super Bowl. You know, you know I, I know that that's a, that's a grand statement. The Eagles are awesome. I don't want to just trivialize it to that. But you, you know what I'm saying. We, you're, we're on the same page. Well, wait, wait. You've already you've, – yeah. I know. I know yeah. you don't want to have – you've already had enough, you've already had enough uh, sparring with Eagles fans. But I think people are sufficiently – you know, self-aware in Philly to realize if Brock Purdy doesn't get injured, the 49ers have a good chance of winning that yeah, game. Yeah, okay, exactly. And Kirk Cousins right. doesn't get injured. Right, right. Kirk Cousins finds a way to keep going. Yeah. And that's that's his superpower. Right. Three superpowers. Right. One, never missing a game. Two, playing great at 1 p.m. Eastern. And three, getting paid a shitload of money. Those are his superpowers. So, um, I, 
look, yeah, you, you, here's the other side yeah. of it, too. Here's why the Vikings need to be thinking about the future. You know, we talked yesterday about Aaron Rodgers being the last old man standing. Then it's Matthew Stafford at 35. It's Ryan Tannehill who just turned 35. Kirk Cousins in 10 days turns 35. And I know pocket passer can last longer, but still, he's taken a lot of hits over the years. Yep. He doesn't miss many games, right. and he's going to be 35 soon. they got to be thinking about next, even if it's not, hey, he's taken us as far as he can. The, 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 the real question may be he's taken us as long as he can. Yeah, I, I, I hear you there. We're getting to a point here where, you know, again, his, his physical abilities have never been eye-popping. And you get to this age – yeah, for a guy that didn't have a special arm and you start to lose a few mile per hour on your fastball, it, it could be significant. And he wasn't a great mover to begin with. And, you know, you start to lose the explosion in your legs and that loss could be significant there. So, yeah, I think that's probably why ownership said that because they realize he's at an age here where, hey, it could go any which direction. Let's see what he's still got left in the tank. Has he still got a few more years where you think, hey, he's still top-notch. He can do and be the Kirk Cousins we've seen. But, you know, they're going to evaluate that, and I think that's fair for them to do that. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a guy who likely won't show up on today's grid is Kirk Cousins, but plenty of other names as we fill out the nine squares. You can play along at home. Go to crossovergrid.com slash PFT. We'll do today's grid when PFT Live continues right after this. Happy 56th birthday, Deion Sanders. This is from his first NFL game. In the first quarter at old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, he takes the punt from uh, the Rams. Well, this is the first one. This is the one where it a penalty. This would have been great for the Rams. Right. But a penalty brings it back. Look at the way the ref does decline. They've worked on it since yeah. then. So... Somebody was illegally downfield. Yeah. It would have been awesome for the Rams. Yeah. But, no, but Atlanta said, no, we're declining that. you got to punch yeah. it to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's got to kick it again. And here's Dion standing somewhere between first and second base on the Braves infield in early 1989. And, and watch this. This is just amazing. I've watched it 20 times. He fumbles, and then he is swarmed. He's swarmed. How in the hell did he get out of that? He makes that cut, and then he's high-stepping from the 30. The ultimate disrespect to 24 McGee. Unbelievable. I mean, I said 20, and that's not hyperbole. It's probably underestimating how many times I watched that. I saw that posted last night, and I just kept watching it and watching it and watching it. It is incredible. And Terry Bradshaw on the call for CBS. Just unbelievable hey. and that's they put him in the upper room yeah right then you know where he's going to end his career when he starts it that way yeah, I, I mean he's you know as special as they come in a league of physical freaks he stood out on the football field for a long long time where you were just like wait everybody's fast but that guy looks like he's a lot faster than everybody else and he's not even running he's high-stepping I mean, he might be, you know, he's one of those guys that I always say three rockets up his ass. He probably had four. He's arguably the fastest player in the history of football on the football field. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Maybe five. And, Maybe five. And, and, right, was it that game? Or I think it's a game later in the year when they're playing Washington at the time and Joe Gibbs, and they kick the ball. They, you know, the special teams coach, I believe it's Joe Gibbs, and I could be wrong here, but he's telling him, hey, do you want to kick the Deion? He's that's, you know, screw him. Kick it to him. You know, whatever. And he runs it back for a touchdown. And I think the story is, is like, you know, Gibbs then looks at the special teams coach. He goes, you kick it to him again, you're fired. <laughs> right? It was one of those. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing like prime time. He is an all-time of an all-time great player, in my opinion. Tony Dungy has a great story about Super Bowl 41 where they were determined not to kick the ball to Devin Hester, and then the night before the game he had an epiphany. You right. know what? We're not going to be afraid of Devin Hester right. kicking the ball to start the game. Of course, <laughs> a touchdown. Yeah, right. But still won, though, so yeah. it worked out. Yeah. Okay, today's grid. Go to crossovergrid.com slash PFT. The categories across the top, the vertical columns, Detroit Lions, Las Vegas Raiders, and played on HBO's Hard Knocks. Didn't have to be on the team that is in the grid to qualify. Just 
ever been on a team that was on hard knocks. Down the horizontal lines, Seattle and New England, who have never been hard knocks teams, so it would have to be somebody who played on a hard knocks team and ended up with the Seahawks or the Patriots. And then the final category, top 10 pick in the NFL draft. Those are the categories. We have nine squares. Chris, I've got most of them. They came to me, boom. This was easier for me than usual, although they may not be low percentage. Eight of them came to me. The one I'm struggling with is upper right. Somebody who's been on the Seahawks who also was on Hard Knocks. But uh, what do you have? What do you, give me one. Well, I, 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 one, yes, I'm not as prepared with this. Like, I just started looking at this a few minutes ago. But I got some here. I mean, right off the Lions-Seahawks one, I go right to a Texas alumni and Quandre Diggs, right? The safe, that's yes. who I thought of. Did you have anybody else there? That was the guy I thought of, and it's going to be a high percentage, I would assume, but I didn't want to spend a lot of time trying to think of some obscure guy from the past who played for both the Seahawks and the Lions. Nobody else immediately came to mind. There's usually a backup quarterback rocketing around in my head. Let's go Quandre Diggs, 24. We'll take that. I'm going to skip down. I want to have some fun here. I'm going down to the lower right-hand corner, the intersection of top 10 draft and hard knocks, because we mentioned him earlier in the show. He was eating a hot dog on the sidelines of a preseason game. Mark Sanchez, who later brought us the butt fumble, was the Jets quarterback and a top 10 pick in 2009, one year before the Jets were on hard knocks. Mark Sanchez, final answer. Yeah, that's that's. It could be high. It could be low. We'll see. Seven. I'll take seven points. I'm shocked. I'll take it. Wow, that 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 to me would have been one that would have been fairly obvious. I'm I'm surprised by that. So good one there, Mike. Way to go. Uh, I I did go. You know, I think about that Lions Patriots box there. Lions Patriots again. Easy one. What well, easy one? He just, re-signed, just re-signed with the right? Patriots. Trey Flowers yeah. was the, the the guy I thought of right away. There's there's probably some more right because of the Patri- Patricia where we could do like you know Duran. Deron Harmon maybe could have been a guy, right? There could have been some other guys we could have gone to, but Trey Flowers was the easiest one to to come up with there. Yeah, and we just want to get these nine filled out. We're not going to sit and come up with the lowest possible percentages. I'm going to finish out this one because the Lions have had plenty of top 10 draft picks over the years. The one guy that I thought of when they were going through receiver, 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 remember that? The first guy, and he's he's no longer with us, Charles Rogers, the overall pick in twenty. Or 2003, I believe. Yeah, it was my draft class. I have a feeling that'll be a low, low percentage. They had Roy Williams. They had Mike Williams. But I think Charles Rogers, that's that's low enough. I'll take that one. Yeah, that's right. But, yeah, you're right. It was Charles Rogers. Charles Rogers, that whole year, I had people telling me to tell Roy Williams that the Detroit Lions will take him at pick number two or three if he would just come out in the draft. I think it was pick two. And Roy decided to stay because Roy had aspirations of, you know, national championship and wanted to win a Heisman at the receiver position, and he didn't. But there, there's my little backstory there. Hey, hey, Sims is no longer the quarterback. We got a shot at the national championship. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> exactly right. Now we can do it. Uh, I, I think of that that Patriots Raiders column there. The 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 easiest one and the one that popped in my brain right away was Richard Seymour. Right. He, yes. He. Do I, it. I, I don't Richard know if Seymour. there's anybody else, but that that's the one I thought of. Remember when they traded him to the Raiders and he took like a week to show up? Like, I'm not going to the Raiders. You're trading me from the platinum standard team to the team that is like quickly fallen to among the worst. What's the percentage there? I can't see. It's 14%. It's 14%. 14%. That's good. I thought it would be higher than that. I'll go up one, and I know this one's going to be high, but we just got to get through this. Raiders, Seahawks. Come on. Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. Remember he had that one year with the Raiders where he went back home to Oakland. I couldn't think of any other. It's the only one I could think of. Yeah, right. Well, and this is one of those where I thought Brian Bosworth, not because he ever played for the Raiders, but he got blown up by Bo Jackson when he was with the Raiders. So he's always linked to the Raiders (laughs) in my mind. So there's Marshawn Lynch at, I'm sure, double-digit percentage. But again, I can't see what the percentage is. The numbers are too small. Let me me figure this out one more time. The Seahawks played on HBO Hard Knocks thing. He doesn't need to be on the Seahawks right now, right? He couldn't have been. They weren't on Hard Knocks. It's somebody who played on a team that was on Hard Knocks the year he was on that team, and then at some point in his career he was also on the Seahawks. Damn, that's That's like – that's really tough, and I don't know if – I have one. Go ahead. Who is it? I have one. Who? Oh, Matt Casey is telling us someone from last night. I don't know that that's, I don't know what that's doing. Is it? I, I don't, I don't know. We got to move it along. Let's say Carlos Hyde. And I, I would admit that I saw 
a reader who posted their grid. And Carlos Hyde is an answer here. So uh, I couldn't think of anybody else. All right, who else you got, Chris? I, I, that's, you know, I mean, Raiders' top 10 pick is an easy one, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's of course, I think of Jamarcus Russell right off the bat. Well, how about Robert Gallery? I bet Robert Gallery. Okay, Gallery's that's a, a lower, lower one. Percentage. I like he Robert a, Gallery better. Another bust. Another Raiders bust of that decade, although it may not have been his fault. It may have just been the Raiders. 9.4. Uh, last one, and now, you know, th- this one's easy because, number one, he's very active on social media. Number two, uh, I've come to really like him after he's retired, and he was a key part of the Dolphins' hard knock season of 2012. And before that, he had kind of a wasted year with the New England Patriots, and that would be Chad Johnson, the receiver, who will be entering the Bengals' Ring of Honor this I year. thought about Chris Ho- that? Hogan. That was the other one I thought about. Remember Chris oh, Hogan? Oh, always right? open. Chris Hogan. Yeah, yeah. all right. It's yeah. already put in there. Well, we did all right. We did okay. 103 uh, right, is our worst we've after. done yet. They're being ranked 103. That was the worst we've done so far. So we took a lot of low-hanging fruit well, today. That's, that's because you weren't ready for it. You I, were watching Hard Knocks instead of getting ready for the grid. <laughs> you're we'll right. <laughs> that's right true. <laughs> Tyree Kill doing Tyree Kill things Whoa. at Dolphins practice. Look at that. I mean, he could have just continued the nine route. He was gone. Yeah. He had blown him away. He's like, nah, I'll just stop and I'll toy with this guy. Cat and mouse stuff. Is that uh, joint? They had some joint practices, yeah, that, right? Who yep. are they practicing against? They're, I don't know. I, I knew, but I don't know. Uh, maybe the Bucks. That's the Falcons. The Bucks? Uh, yeah. The Falcons. I believe it's that's, uh, right. who's that, Trey Flowers recovering him or somebody like that. I believe it yeah. is. But, you know. And see, this is one of the benefits of being on the Dolphins. You you already know what you're up against. And you're not going to get you're not going to get torched like that. You're at least going to give a little cushion because that guy is going to run right by you. Yeah, you practice, you see what you got, you try to challenge yourself, you do that. Hey, we talked about pass protection for Tua. That's why you want it right there. Because that guy right there, you give him time, he's going to get open. I mean, one, here, just just can we play it one more time? Like you said, he could have ran the go route, but then he sells the outbreaking at route right there, right? That is, to me, the beauty of it. He sells like he's going to run a comeback. He gets Trey Flowers to go, ooh, wait, he's going towards the sideline, right? And then he undercuts him. I mean, that's phenomenal. And this is a guy that a lot of people always get on his route running, and I want to go, I don't know. I mean, every time I see him run a route, he's open. Isn't that what we're the main goal is to get open? I know it's not always perfect or whatever else, but, damn, that's pretty perfect right there. Phenomenal. Speed, acceleration, change of direction, and also the smarts to know how you're manipulating exactly. that guy who right. is, basically, is basically just – grasping at nothing. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Wednesday edition of PFT Live right after this. Well, maybe Ron Rivera watches the show because he met with reporters just a little bit ago. According to J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington, Rivera says he talked to Eric Bieniemy about yesterday's comments, and I put my foot in my mouth. Rivera said Eric has done a great job. It's been a great bit of growth. More comments from Rivera today. Nikki Javala of the Washington Post. Ron Rivera on why he made the comparison between himself, Bieniemy, and Jack Del Rio. I was just trying to convey that they have their own way of doing things. Um, also, Rivera said, and this comes from our Josh Alper, who's writing the story, he said that it's a good thing for players to be uncomfortable. And that gets back to what we were saying earlier. Be uncomfortable. This guy won championships. This guy knows how to get you to where you want to be. It's going to be uncomfortable to get there, but that's what we're trying that's right. to do. That's right. There's, there's, there should be no issue with it. If you have an issue with it, it's your issue. Uncomfortable is, a lot of the times, the way to success. We talk about it all the time. Do you think Tom Brady ever felt comfortable in New England and everything? I mean, they were always like we heard stories this weekend from Devin McCourty. He was always being told you could do better. What the hell is this? What are you doing? Right? I mean, that's Joe Montana with Bill Walsh. I mean, he's won two Super Bowls. He's got, eh, let me bring in Steve Young. He's getting a little too comfortable here. Let's see what he does. I mean, that's part of the sport. And that's the coach's job is to bring the most out of the players. And sometimes that means, you know, a little sports torture to go along with it. And that's what they're going through right now. And, you know, hopefully it pays off for them in the, in the long run. 
And I think the deeper issue here is Ron Rivera knows he's being scrutinized by new ownership, everything he says, everything he does. And I think that pressure can maybe get you to say something that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, said. he should Chris have backed Jones up the enemy, like yesterday. you said. Right. Yeah. It should have been. Chris Jones posted yeah. a cryptic tweet yesterday. KC, I love you. Unless he was talking about the front man for the Sunshine Band, he means Kansas City. We don't know whether it means he's getting a contract, whether he's trying to get out of town, whether he's just looking to get the support of the mob on his side as he continues his holdout, Chris. But it's something to keep an eye on yep. because they've said they have no intention of trading him. We'll see if they sign. Yeah, I think he's just saying, I love you. I just think he's reminding them. And, you know, a little just shake, feeling shake, good shake. That day. shake, shake. Dive into the start of summer at Whole Foods Market. Check out their summer splash event with sales on fresh organic produce, organic strawberries, and a fan favorite sale on Ben & Jerry's and Talenti. Explore deals on grill-friendly meats like organic air-chilled chicken breast, beef and chicken kebabs, all with no antibiotics ever from our meat department. Plus, grab easy sides from prepared foods and cool off with refreshing drinks. Kick off your summer and shop in store or online at Whole Foods Market today. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.